Hi, my name is Ozzy Jurok. I'm the host of OzBuzz, where we chat with interesting, successful people and their journey that took them from sometimes humble beginnings, interesting beginnings to success. And today we're very happy and pleased to have Mr. Rudy Nielsen, the CEO of the Niho Group of Companies. Welcome, Rudy. Good morning, Ozzy. Thank you for inviting me and it's a great day to be out. The sun is shining and I love it dearly. It's funny, you know, normally when we have a long weekend, the sun never shines. Isn't it? it seems <laughs> no. to be an unwritten rule Then, if you have three days off, that there must be rain. Yeah. So anyways, we are in Vancouver, BC and we are in the summer. Um, you have done an exciting road and I find always that we have in our lives so many copies of everybody else and so few originals and you are an original. How did you become an original? How did you start out? Well, Ozzy, I got out of school and uh, my first job was in Northern British Columbia because my father had been a trapper before he was a businessman. So he taught me how to survive out in the bush. So forestry, I went to work for forestry and in out of Prince George and they sent me in Northern British Columbia to determine how much t uh, timber there was up there. So I spent a lot of months up there. In fact, I worked for forestry for two or three years just to determine the, the timber up there. But when you're up there, you're the doctor you're the cook, you're everything. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I've had to put two of my own stitches in my left eye because, you know, there's no radios. They just drop you off and they'll come and get you in about two weeks later. You're self-sufficient or you die. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're out there. So that's that skill that, uh, they, they, you know, they really uh, needed somebody like that to get out there. So uh, they picked the people who went out there and uh, it was my first job. And from there on, uh, I quit forestry and then I was a cat driver. Yeah, and then I, dr I drove cat, uh, a big D7 cat. So I uh, opened up roads, you know, 30 below zero, doing roads and stuff like that. And then uh, I quit that job for one reason. The crew bus used to pick up people, uh, you know, at night to take them all back to town. Yeah. And they forgot me three times in a row. <laughs> the third time, I had to walk to the highway, five miles. Oh, my God. Minus 32 below oh, zero yeah, yeah. and hitchhike in. And I got to the nearest pub. I went and had three beer. I phoned my boss and I told him what to do with his job. And I was out of the bush. I didn't go back into the bush or drive cat anymore. So is that how you got into the real estate? No, then, then I went and got a job at a menswear store selling suits. <laughs> well, and one day came in the top-notch realtor in Prince George. He owned the biggest firm. He was well-known. He uh, passed mayor. He was a, so I was fitting him out for his suit and he, uh, we started talking about real estate and he asked me to take my license. So I took my license and uh, he didn't even remember when I came back in the office. I said, I got my license and I'm ready to go to work. He forgot me. He didn't know who I was, <laughs> but he had to hire me because my dad had two listings with him. <laughs> okay, so he had to hire me, but he then put me uh, at the very back of the office and uh, with a guy across from me. And every morning around 11 o'clock, he would open the drawer and pull out a bottle of whiskey and start <laughs> drinking. And by the good old days. <laughs> three o'clock, he was, he was gone sitting in his chair. So I realized uh, after 90 days, I'd not have one listing. I knew yeah. I was not going to make it in this business unless I thought of something else. Uh, yeah. And what was that? Uh, and this was probably the best lesson of my life because, yeah. uh, you know, so I'm, I'm totally broke. I have no money. I go to my mother because I've got two kids, a wife, and I go to my mother and borrow $1,500. $1, and I went, you know, when I learned something in the bush, when you're lost, when you have a problem, sit down and think. 
yeah. you don't start running because you sweat and you're gonna die <laughs> you know so I still use that in my business world today yeah. if I got a problem I sit down and I think it out yeah. I don't act fast I just sit down and think so I sit, I sat down and I start thinking about what I'm gonna do and okay here the realtors got the residential tied up industrial commercial everything but nobody had anything to do with residential lots okay and in those days a residential lot sold for a thousand dollars the yeah. split is 60 40 yeah. so every time I sold a lot I get sixty dollars yeah. 10 percent commission yeah, yeah. <laughs> even then yeah. that was not very much money no. but then I thought if I could sell three lots a week then I would be making money so what I did was I went to the city hall in those days no computers I made a glued together the map of Prince George and then I went through the records and I had 20 colored pencils and I colored in all the residential lots in Prince George by color yellow was people from Vancouver don't lots of Prince George red was who was there and uh, then I had this great big map and then I said to my staff at the real estate office I know more about residential lots than anybody else in the world that's how I got my lesson the most important lesson still today is that statement I just made yeah. I knew more about that one product than anybody else yeah. now of course I say I know more about residential no, pardon me, recreational real estate in British Columbia than anybody else because I have now the computers, the staff, to handle the whole province. But that was the beginning, right? You now had every lot, and even though there was a little commission, you get a name, right? People yep. say, go see Rudy if you want to know about yep. a, a lot. And then, of course, the pulp mills came in, and now the contractors came in building spec houses. So I'd say, okay, I'll, sell you, I'll go find you five lots, but I want you to list your spec house with me after Absolutely, you build yeah. it. Right. So I never looked back since then. Right, because now you make the bigger commission once exactly. the house is finished. Yeah. You know? And they come to see you because you literally could tell them there's a lot here, but there's three over there, and these yeah, are the price exactly. ranges. Yeah. It's like almost owning that market. We, we, you know, later on, when an old branch manager in real estate, not so long time ago, we would take a small idea like that. We take a suburb, obviously, and in that suburb, you're it, right? You know, yeah. everything is for sale, everything's going on, where the yeah. schools are, where they speak French, where they, yeah. you know, yeah. you are Mr. Suburb, right? Yeah. And so there, of course, you had the whole city. So you were a realtor, what did you, what did you do to move on? Well, then I uh, got my first job as a branch manager in, Prince, in the Smithers. And I took on six offices, Terrace, Prince, uh, Prince Rupert, uh, all the way down to uh, Prince George. And that company went in, uh, in bankruptcy. Yeah. And so I had nothing to do. So I started my own office in Smithers <laughs> in 1972. Yeah. So I took the sales staff and I started Yellowhead Realty. And I worked hard, and in two years, I had five offices uh, from Williams Lake to Prince George to McBride. And I was doing recreational land. I kind of stayed away from the you know, residential for the first year, and then I got into residential, and then I did everything. But I started Yellowhead Realty. And Yellowhead Realty was around till 81, the big crash. Yeah. And then I lost everything. I mean, well, I that was the what, the 18% money kind of. An I was era. paying 20. 20% money yeah I mean that was the big crash and uh, I had never forgot 1981 I never no. want to go back there again no well it's just you know it was you were not alone the whole world all the Western world all the real estate world and forward no matter what it was we got we got into serious trouble we, how can you function with a 20% interest rate yeah. I think Canada savings bonds paid 19 yeah. or some crazy oh, yeah. Well, you know, my friends, uh, I half of my friends declared bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, but I made it, I, you know, I'm going back again to my outdoor skills. I, I went into the mountains. My, my wife will have left. My bank had left. I mean, 
All I had left was my dog and a $500 <laughs> truck. So I went into Northern Bridge, Columbia, and I went out there, and I uh, no food, and I lived off the land, yeah. and shot a grouse and caught some fish, and then uh, I'd set out there. And you did I, your thinking. I did my thinking. I stayed out there for two weeks, and then I finally said to myself, what am I worried about? I've got my knowledge. I've got my right. health. Right. That's key. The money was, that's the only part of it. That's only how you keep track of the rules, you know? So I said, no, I got no problems. I went back, met with my creditors. I owed $1.8 million. That was 1981. I made a deal with them. I said, I'm gonna move to Vancouver. Give me four years, I'll pay you all back. I did in two years. There you go. Yeah. You were the mini Donald Trump. Isn't that what Donald Trump did with his creditors at one time? Only it was 40 million or yeah. a bigger number. Yeah. But yeah, in the end, uh, the bankers have to look at you and saying, what do I got if I don't do this? I got a whole bunch of yeah. non-performing assets maybe, and here's a man that can actually have a good chance to pay it back. You good know, and, and the good lesson from that, Ozzy, was that it really helped me because my first timber deal that I got into, I went to the sawmill for money. And the sawmill guy said to me, he says, oh, let me have a look at the deal. He came back and he says, you know what? You're looking for $45,000 for this deal? I said, yeah, that's what I need to close the deal. He says, well, here's a check for 50. I said, 50? I said, where's the papers? What do I sign? He says, no, he says, you know, uh, this was in Vanderhoof. He said to me, he says, no. He says, I know that you uh, didn't declare bankruptcy. You paid your creditors back. That's good enough for me. Here's 50,000. I'm gonna find a bunch more timber deals. That was the start of my timber yeah, um, so sometimes life. we need yeah. somebody else, you know, yeah. to uh, to also value it. So that's how you finance then everything from then on in. Yeah, that's how I got the initial start. Well, one of the things that I always, I mean, I, I don't know how long I know, we're old guys, right? I mean, <laughs> must be 25 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. But you were always buying real estate. I mean, yeah. I, I would come to your office and it would have like 10 offers on the go or you know, you were financing, you know, a cash flow by, through uh, selling real estate. Yeah. Uh, so how did how did you get going on well, that? Well, I, I did um, 700 deals in 10 years. I really, <laughs> I really concentrated, you know, on those yeah. years on, you know, yeah. I lived, I lived in uh, hotel rooms. I lived underneath my truck, uh, you know, and I was on the go. And I always had um, at least six or seven offers, maybe eight going at one time. And I was all over the province. But I got my cash flow from the timber originally, yeah. And then subdivisions, and then uh, gravel, you know. So I had a real good cash flow going, and I found that the best way to finance timber was through the sawmill. Second was the bank. To do a subdivision, I went to the credit unions. I remember a credit union gave me two million dollars one time that I needed to finish two subdivisions. So, and then of course, and then the last, you know, you can do a syndication, and I had investors. I would go to you and I say, Ozzy. You give me $3,000 spending money, I'll go up and find you a deal. I'm going to bring you back six deals. You pick the one you want. I'm going to tell you the profit. And uh, then uh, you can pick it. I'll go and make the money. So you get your 3000 back. You put the money up for the deal. And I'll pay you 4% over prime. And uh, it's funny. One of the richest guys in downtown Vancouver here, I was talking to him. And he'd done a deal with me. Mm -hmm. And he's followed me to this day, building up. Because that was one of my, probably the seventh or eighth deal I did, you know. And he's followed me all and the way. And we're talking prices that were like a tenth or oh, yeah. fiftieth yeah. of what And timber today. was in demand. Sure. Back in the 80s, there wasn't enough crown timber for the sawmills. So they were looking for private timber. So, I mean, they literally phoned me and asked me if I could go and find some more timber. Well, that's probably the unique aspect. You started out in the forest. You had yeah. to look for the forest. I never forget walking with you through the interior and you'd stand in front of a tree and all that's this high and this wide. and. That's worth X amount of dollars at the sawmill. You can tell by looking at a patch of timber what the value of yeah. that is. 
you know, loaded in, into that's sort of got to be an absolute unique trait. Uh, is that because you're also an appraiser? Yeah, I took my appraising license. I got that in 1972. So with my timber, with my timber knowledge, my appraising knowledge, and that basic learning, the better you got to be the best of, in something yeah. and in the world. That got me going through all my different companies and yeah. uh, built up to where I was. Well, the interesting thing was, I think you told me once that, you know, we're looking at all of these different pieces of land and we are told this is 160 acres and it has all cedars on it. And then I go there and survey it and find out the cedars all next door, right? Yeah. And so that really got you going and that's oh, yeah. why you had every piece of land on a map and you knew and you would, you yeah. would actually fly over it to, yeah. to figure out, was it really there? Yeah. Well, for, I, I did air photos in the early days. Now, of course, I use satellites. Yeah. You know? So now, in my personal computer, I've got every ranch, every island, every winery on, yeah. my, on my own personal computer yeah. on Google Earth. Amazing. I can come right down <laughs> and then get street view, look at yeah. the front, look at the winery on top or the timber on top, and then just push one button and up comes a, 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 a box with all the information. The assessed values, you know, what the last sales were, a whole bunch of information. Well, I remember you did a, we did a, a land rush conference, I think it was 1995 or 1996, somewhere in there, and you made the point to the audience, even if you don't have much money, try and find a piece of land, and particularly if you're young, or if you're a grandfather, give this to your son, and if there's a little growth on it <coughs> of the right kind of timber, you grow yourself a million dollars in 20 years, right? Yeah. And I, I remember the audience writing furiously, what a, yeah. what a brilliant idea, yeah. but it was true, right? The value yeah. in the timber, yeah. Out, outgrew the value of the land, you know. So. Well, I'm a firm believer there's, uh, there's not a deal you can't do. If you've got 10 bucks in your pocket yeah. and you see a $10 million deal, <laughs> you can buy it. And it's easy to buy, really. All you have to do is approach a investor or a bank or whoever, sure. any finance company, sure. and you just have to prove that your purchase price is half of what the actual value is. Well, and that, that, that you have a preponderance of proof that you yeah. know what you're about, right? Yeah. That you have to have the confidence in it. I can tell you today about a company in Vancouver that has purchased you know, more than uh, 10,000 units and literally without any money yeah. of their own, right? But yeah. they have they're proven it right, have yeah. the investors made money, yes, but they have the confidence. So, and you obviously had that. And not, not only did you buy the odd deal, I, I know that for a while you had, you buy a small lot for 3000 and you, you want to buy another one five years later, I'll take it back and trade at That's the right. same price. Well, I, I bought four towns, yeah. Nashville, uh, Ferguson, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the two towns. So I bought complete towns. Yeah. And those were towns when they developed them in back in the early days, back in around the turn of the century. Uh, they were lots 33 by 110. Yeah. So I buy the whole town. So I'd yeah. end up with maybe 50, 60 lots. Yeah. And I'd sell them to people that were they only had three thousand dollars. All you had to give me is a hundred dollars down. Yeah. But I don't give you the title to the lot. Right. I lease it to you. Yeah. Cost you more to repossess. Exactly. <laughs> but I would take a hundred dollars, fifty dollars yeah. down, and then you made your payments, yeah. and then at the very last payment, I give you title. Right. And then you had two it's choices. It's like an agreement for sale, then, right? Yeah. Yeah. You could either keep the lot, or yeah. you could trade it in to me for yeah. for one hundred and sixty acres. Yeah. and use that lot as your down payment. Yeah. So then what I a do, unique oh, idea, yeah. right? And so well, it's the same as General Motors, right? So yeah. General Motors looks at the, you know, you just got out of school, you get a little tiny car, yeah. and uh, then you build your way up, and then by the time <laughs> you're 80 years old, you're driving a Cadillac. <laughs> so that's the same principle I had <laughs> yeah. with small lots all the way out, and in the end, you buy rents from me. But the big thing, it worked, right? It worked. And the, the idea yeah. was it helped people, right? Yeah. First of all, they got an idea, hey, 
I'm not a nobody. I can act, I can do a hundred dollars. I can make that payment, right? Yeah. And and that's that's what bought it all about. Yeah. What was the most memorable memorable deal that you ever done? Uh, Ozzy, I gotta tell you that the one I enjoyed most, and which was really I was a really undergun over, was called Kitsault, the whole town of Kitsault. Oh yeah, that so made the national news, didn't it? I went I went uh, when I, I I did my own marketing plan. I, they gave me this. It's the largest mining company in the world, and they gave me sixty days to do the marketing and sell it. And uh, so I put a marketing plan together and I went right across Canada. I had the Globe and Mail and a Financial Post with the same picture and the same story on the front page the same day. And then I went right across, I did three TV interviews and I did forget how many radio interviews, 20 or 30. And then I was in every newspaper and uh, then Finally, it came to uh, talking to the lawyers, you know, that um, had the uh, that owned that owned the property, representing with clients, and uh, I put the deal together. But I was up there with the client. It's kind of a funny story. I was up there with the client, so we went by helicopter, of course, you know. And the town had uh, about three, four hundred houses, three bedroom houses. And the weirdest thing was, all the streets are paved. There's a stop sign. <laughs> there, you see a tricycle sitting in the in the carport. Yeah. And you'll see a bike there, yeah, yeah. and but there's no people there. There was yeah. one person in the entire town, yeah. so it gives you the weirdest feeling. And there's a hospital there. So what was it? The, the mine was built, and then yeah, they, they I, mean, I believe it was a molybdenum, yeah. and uh, it was at ninety dollars when they built the mine, four hundred million dollars about forty, fifty years ago. They built all these houses. The mine did, yeah. and then you know the shag brown carpeting, you know, back and. Well, so they wanted the miners to stay there. To right? stay there, so yeah. Got got good playgrounds and. Help. Went from ninety dollars down to two dollars, <laughs> so they gave everybody thirty days notice, and everybody had to get out over the pass because of the you know yeah. twenty feet of snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody just left everything. They whatever they could carry went out. Two you, blue ghost town. Oh yeah, and you go in there, and you and the front door is open, and you go in there, and you see the TV there, the, the living room furniture, yeah. the kitchen furniture is there. Yeah. It gives you the weirdest feeling. Yeah. So uh, I had this one investor with me, the guy that didn't buy it, but he just made an offer on it, and we're up there, and of course with lots of bears, <clears throat> and then the pilot and this investor and one of my salesmen from Lanquest, we ran right into a bear. And those three guys were gone. <laughs> but, you know, like I told you yeah. in my bush stories, yeah. I've always chased bears, right? Yeah. Until my wife uh, put the curbs to it. <laughs> that the idea was you sneak up on behind and hit him on the bum. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and the guy I was with was a, a, a good a friend of mine now, and he worked for me, and he claims I did hit the bear on the ass. Now, <laughs> I remember I tried to hit him on the ass as he went up the tree, yeah. and I felt the fur, but I don't think I hit him, but he claims to this day that I did hit him. So the bear goes all the way up, sits on a limb, and he's watching us. So I bring the other three guys back, have a look at him, and the limb broke, and the bear landed right on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> no kid, you know. And so they ran again. Oh yeah. Well, you have to make yourself big, right? You yeah. got to op take your coat, yeah. open it up, and go sideways and go, <laughs> you know, yeah. funny noises. Yeah. And then the bear will just take off. Now yeah. you only try to with the bear six years and younger. Yeah. Don't try it if you got a little gray on his face because <laughs> you've seen smart. it all. <laughs> they're gonna come. They're gonna come after you. Well, there's just a story yeah. on uh, TV last week. This fellow. Uh, was dragged uh, by his feet and uh, then he finally remembered a knife that he but what a horrible experience you know the guy, <coughs> the guy well, started to eat his leg the bear yeah you know there's much you can do when a big bear sits yeah. on you, you know? well in all my years out in the bush i've only had uh, three grizzlies charge me and i feel bad about it but i had to shoot two of them 
and uh, but I would have been dead of, or oh. my, my, my people with me would have been, you know, dead. Not a grizzly, of course, yeah. the black bears. Yeah. Black, bear, black bears, as long as you go through the bush and make lots of noise yeah. and let them know you're coming. It's the mother defends her cubs. Sure. Uh, and Surprising. remember that black bears like eating roots and they like eating berries. Grizzlies eat meat. Yeah. You know, so their main diet, I've, you know, I used to hunt up in the, uh, up in the top of the mountains uh, for caribou. And I'd watch grizzlies, you know, yeah. and I'd sit there with my binoculars and watch them. They go after those, the whistlers they're called. Yeah. They're like the great big gophers. Yeah. And they eat those and, uh, you know, and they bring so down. So it's a different world. Well, but when you're in that town with your investors to see a bear yeah. was surprising to them. No? Yeah. Well, <laughs> this guy that worked for me, he tells that story all the time. Yeah. And he so who ended up buying the town? Um, I sold it to a gentleman from uh, D.C., Washington. Hmm. And he bought the town, and uh, I did a Wings Over Canada show with John Lovelace on it. Yeah, yeah, I saw and, that. Yeah, and that really uh, brought in a lot of traffic too. So he's out, got the town, and I believe right now he's trying to put a uh, liquid um, a gas in there or something like didn't that. Malipnum, didn't malip didn't it go up? And it did, but today, you know, they, they, they tried to work with this guy to uh. open up the town again, but he didn't want to. He uh. was going to, you know, he was going to do something else besides mining. Because yeah. it was a big buck, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't cheap. No, no, no. so, yeah. So now you, <coughs> as I said, you were a timber cruiser, you were a realtor, and then you were an appraiser. Yeah. Why did you, why did you make that choice? Well, because I think you got to have education nowadays, yeah. or you're not going to go nowhere. So with my timber cruising, I can, like you say, I can look at timber from a helicopter and tell you how much timber's down there, or I can take an air photo. And now I'm experimenting with and satellites. the right kind of timber. Yeah, right? I can tell you the species by the crown. You yeah. know, the crown of the, oh, really? of the trees. Yeah. So I can tell you what kind of tree it is. I can tell from the shadow how you know, half a base times the height. I can tell you how tall it is. Mm. And uh, and now I'm doing it by satellite. So what I have to do is I go out into the field, like I was doing a big ranch that we sold, and I went out and walked the alfalfa field, and I go, okay, the alfalfa is up to my waist, and uh, when they got it, it's going about six tons per acre. And so I go back to my satellite and I look at how, what color that is, if it's a deep brown. And I relate that from me being in the field to that brown like I did with my timber back 20 years ago. Yeah. So I'm doing the same thing now with uh, ranches and stuff like that. Yeah. But certainly that's when appraisal helped. But the, yeah. I think the whole thing you were telling me years ago started by you're sort of almost like somewhat annoyed that it never was what it seemed to be. And so you yeah. made a deal with the assessment or so, did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I bought the entire assessment roll, and uh, that was going back 20 years ago. The government came to me, Ozzy, and asked me if I could build a system to take some of the risk out of lending for banks and credit unions. So I built a system, and I built a thing called an AVM, Automatic Value Mo Information Model. And that's Landcore. That's right? Landcore, yeah. yeah. And so Landcore... Um, I should mention Land, it's L-A-N-D, and then Core is C-O-R. So one Land word. One, one word. word. Landcore.com yeah. is... Uh, yeah. yeah. So on there, I have every piece of property in British Columbia, yeah. every ranch, every winery. Yeah. So I, on there, I have 2,120,000 properties on there. Is that all the properties in BC? In BC, that's every year. And we have everything you pay taxes on, we have in our, in our data, data bank. How many of those are private and how many of those are the government in well, a percentage basis? In, in British Columbia, 5% of all land is private, 95% belongs Just to Just 5%? 5%, yeah. And the rest is all crown. Yeah. And that 5% relates to two million one hundred thousand titles wow yeah and that's you know so uh, uh, we <coughs> we we in, at Landcore we take that information now and we com combine it with mapping with digitized mapping with satellites and all that so we have a complete picture but our AVM we took a real chance here 
is what I did was we have uh, just 800, we have 800 uh, clients right now on Lancor and banks, World Bank and you know a lot of the banks around there. And what, what happens is that uh, I took a real chance and it was based on my CEO and we invited every client we had to a conference call with some people in the States, you know, that test AVMs. Okay. And they tested our AVM and then we put out this conference call and we let all our clients, all 60 of them, ask any question they wanted to these guys in the United States, which yeah. are double PhDs. Okay. And they came out and said it's one of the best AVMs in North yeah. America. Well, so, what, what I think is, you know, it's so, we're so reliant on somebody else. This allows you to do it yourself. I have an address, yep. you know, I pay a little bit of money and I find out the history of the property, I find out a comparison. In four seconds, what we do is we look at all the comparable sales as of last week. We look at the neighborhood and we match sometimes 60 to 80 properties to the subject property. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might only be six, but six to 80, all yeah. in four seconds. And we look at, first of all, the lot side, the square footage, the bedrooms, the bathrooms, match all that up. And then we put a price on that house. And we give you the best three comparables. Then we give you a uh, street view. So we pull pictures out of uh, Google Earth. And then we give you street view. And we give you a whole bunch of information. So it's a four-page report. And we charge somewhere from you know $20 up to $35, depending <laughs> on, the vo on the volume you do. I mean, let's in four, face it, in I four mean, seconds. if you hired an appraiser, you're looking at 10 times that, yeah. you know, yeah. to do that. Yeah. And it, it's quickly and it, you can do it on, you also find out about the history of the property, do you? Yeah, we do, we do that too. We look at the last four sales. We look at the last four assessed values. What about so, the renovations that were done? Yeah, Is we that get that too. We get renovations yeah. and most important, demolition. Yeah. Because a lot of uh, people will, will mortgage a, uh, a house that is, you know, ready to be torn down and go to the bank or a financial yeah. institution, get a mortgage, and then knock the house down. <laughs> and, and the bank doesn't know what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. So we check that too. Yeah, we Well, I always too. found that uh, when we were buying, you know, I mean, at one time my partners and I, we bought over 4,000 condos. And when we looked at a building somebody was presenting, I would go to Landcore yeah. and found out just how long they owned it. Yeah. And if they owned it six months ago, I knew they were trying to flip it to me. If they owned it 20 years, well, then I was interested. There's so many uses that you yeah. can make for your, and it all comes out of your brain, right? Because yeah. you were fed up originally that the, the numbers didn't work, the timber wasn't there, and the yeah. borders weren't there, and it came from what of sort of a map-based system to now this sophisticated AVM. Well, the government had come to us and asked us to build this, and then two people told me it was impossible to build it. <laughs> that, that did it. Yeah. So I had to make my mind up, okay, do I build this and spend yeah. you know, a couple of million dollars building this, yeah. Yeah. and it could fall flat on my face? Or, you know, I had to look at it that way, and then I thought, if somebody else did it, uh, and I'm sitting in my rocking chair, you know, 20 uh, years from now, uh, thinking that these guys were a success, uh, and I hadn't tried it, that would uh, be worse than just trying it <laughs> and losing all my money. Well, you proved me wrong. I was always believed that I had never in my life met anybody that could relate to people uh, that you could, all kinds of people, whether it was natives in the bush, or whether it was, uh, you know, government officials, or the, the you know, all of the, the aspects of, of ownership, you were able to do like nobody else. And you did have those 10 deals a month and you always found a deal and you're always honorable with it. And I told you, I think at the time, what are you doing going into the computer world? You know, just yeah. keep on doing what you want. Yeah. I said, if you ask me which one I want, this ultra modern new thing, 
or just have a couple of weeks with you every month. <laughs> I take the couple of weeks every month, yeah, right? Yeah. Or if somebody, if I was ever to go into the bush and people said to me, okay, here's a machine gun, a bowie knife and a, and a six shooter, or you can go with Rudy who has no gun, no knife, no nothing. I'd rather pick you because <laughs> as far as I'm sort of a he-man, you know, and yeah. we went sometimes through those forester sites, you knew where they were, were yeah. you know, and that where foresters always seem to have beautiful little spots on a lake. I mean, yeah. you know the bush, you know yeah. the area, and then yeah. you go totally different into the computer world and you made it work. So I had to learn everything in the bush the hard way. They'd send you out there yeah. and you had to learn. Yeah. So you ran out of food. Yeah. You're, you've got to learn you how to shoot, shoot a grouse or a shoot a moose or something like that. So I was on your truck one day and we're driving down this side road and you stop the car, you grab the gun, bang, bang, and through the grouse in the back and says, there's dinner. I hadn't <laughs> even seen those birds. I, where the hell you saw them was beyond me. Yeah. So no, that's, that's what I mean. So you're an all around uh, character, right? And I know the, I keep bugging you, you write, got to write your book, you know, because we just don't, don't have the character, the stories that you have that really happened, you couldn't mm -hmm. make up. I mean, you, I think that at one time you're trying to impress a girl and you chased the deer right into the, into the river. I drowned it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was my first wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and it, I, did, I, I, I ran out of bullets and I bet uh, three guys that I could get a deer in the last day of the season. Yeah. So I end up swimming after between the ice flows and the Fraser <laughs> River, and then I finally got to the deer, and uh, that was my first lesson. That if you, you know, you've seen a, you know, a, a knife doesn't do nothing when you're, you know, in yeah. frigid water like that. <laughs> yeah. So the deer saved me. I had to go back to deer and hold, put him in a, a lock, you know, around the, and then I just floated all the way down. And then my two friends and my wife were running down the <laughs> bank, and I had hypothermia. They had yeah. to pull me out, and they had to give me some clothes, light a big fire. And uh, yeah, my, one of my friends still even remembers that. But I got the deer, and I won the bet. <laughs> well, but that's what I mean is, you know, those stories, you know, of, of a great uh, life that you're living so well uh, is, to me, is exciting. And I know that you had started a book, but you never let me finish it. I told it's, you I'd publish it. I know. I, and I think <laughs> that you may should talk about that because the book is there yeah. and it's sitting Just on my desk big. at home <laughs> and I can't open the first page. <laughs> I know. I, I'm a real weirdo about some things and yeah. that's one thing is if, uh, if somebody buys a newspaper and back yeah. in the old days or yeah. buys a book yeah. and gets me to read it, I can't. It's got to be brand new. Yeah. Nobody can touch it. Yeah. And like my wife just has a real problem with that because she passed me a newspaper, I go and buy another one. I, I can't touch it. Well, we all have our quirks, yeah. right? But if you ever want to do that book or to make two or three books out of it, I'm I'd like your to. guy. Yeah. So what are you up to now? Well, right now is I'm most of my time now is on Landcore, but I'm also doing some consulting, and uh, I'm doing some consulting for um, actually m more for free than anything else, uh, where somebody's stuck on a deal, mm -hmm. and I've got some um, some pretty big deals that come to me, and I kind of look at them and I try to solve your problem, and I say here's how to subdivide or here's how to take the timber off it. And I'm also getting into some commercial stuff too because you know I used to do a lot of work for Safeway, yeah. assembling uh, sites for them. Uh, and I, I'm doing a lot of that right now, and I'm still liquidating uh, Neho properties. I was, I started at 700. I'm down to about 60 properties now, but now they're the big ones. You yeah. know? So you have to kept the best ones. Yeah. Well, I think you always have had a unique philosophy, and I know that you have a love for the outdoors, and of course it comes naturally that you have a love for John Wayne, and your office yeah. speaks to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my office. Yeah. Everybody calls it the ranch. I had the mayor of. Uh, 
of New Westminster there and he calls it the ranch. <laughs> so in 81, uh, I had bought a desk in 1979 or in 1980, cost me $10,000 in silver in it, you know? Yeah. And I still got a picture of this desk and the two chairs. Yeah. Of course, then when I went, uh, you know, lost everything, of course they, they took my desk on me. So <clears throat> I had to buy another desk. When I moved to Vancouver, yeah. I couldn't afford a desk. So I found a guy that made me a desk. So he took uh, seven two by sixes <laughs> and put them on some two by fours <laughs> and, uh, and stained them. <laughs> and uh, so in my desk is still the, the same desk, but stuck in there I have a John Wayne survival knife, great big Bowie knife. Yeah. And so I have a whole bunch of things because the human mind forgets things so fast. I don't want to forget where I was. I yeah. can never go back and, and, and rebuild again now. I'm no. too old. So I would never go and want to go through again what I did back in 81. So it reminds me, so the John Wayne Bowie knife stuck in my desk. So first of all, the desk. Yeah. I don't need a desk, $10,000. Yeah. 180 bucks is all I need, yeah. it's fine. That's yeah. all I need. Yeah. Put your money into the land, buy something else, but yeah. don't buy a desk, you yeah. don't need it. Yeah. You know. And the second, the John Wayne Bowie knife, and it points to a big John Wayne picture. Yeah. The first thing John Wayne did was he built a fort. Right. And then he opened up the gates and he went to try to build another fort. But if you go flat on the, on the, on the second fort, you can always come back to the main fort. Yeah. So my first fort, when I came back, to, when I came to Vancouver, I paid $60 a month in a rooming house, sharing it with 14 people. <laughs> and my first fort was a can of beans because I knew if I had no <laughs> cash, I could <laughs> always have something to eat. In fact, one day I was, I was driving out of their driveway uh, and I looked back in the garage and there was four cases of beans, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I kept buying. So then you build up forts. So you buy your house, you get your house, then clear title your house. You yeah, know, that's important. And keep going all the way up until you get a company. No fine, you know, like my land now, it's all clear title. I don't sure. have no mortgages for many years now. And so you build all these forts. So if, if, if you try something else, like, you know, a company, you can always go back to where you were. Yeah. And that's so important to me, you know. Well, I think it, it, <clears throat> it, it's just uh, really a pearl of wisdom because, you know, we so often, we're so far ahead of ourselves. So we're financed up and leveraged, particularly in today's world. Yeah. But you've got something else in your office. I mean, I've been there. You have this uh, fish tank. Oh, in yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. The fish tank, it's the fish. I've had them now for, uh, oh, oh, 20 years, I guess. But I have one great big fish. Whole bunch of small fish <laughs> reminds me so everything in my office reminds me of things you right like on the wall it says sit down and think in yeah. great big letters yeah. so if i'm on the phone somebody wants to make you know a decision fast on a deal i'm gonna buy yeah. uh, i don't do it yeah. right away i sit down and i think and then i come back to you you know yeah. so yeah the fish is uh, make sure whatever you go into that in the end you're the big fish in the tank you're not one of the small fish because if you're the big fish you can control things but if you're a small fish you're not well, yeah, and that makes sense. And that, but the base is always being very knowledgeable. And you had every lot in Prince George, and you knew what you were talking about. Yeah. And when you're talking recreational, you know what you're talking about, or whether yeah. it's timber. Now, the, um, is there something specific that you look for when you buy properties in general, sort of, or is it? Well, because of my 50 years now in business, I, I got a real good gut feeling for them. You know, I've mm -hmm. had for years. Uh, you know, I. I do everything just as an appraisal. When I look at it, it's like I'm doing an appraisal in my head. Mm -hmm. So I look at, you know, the location, the comparables, and I just look at the whole thing, and then I get a good gut feeling for it, and uh, and I buy. And you know, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you with your land rush, is that you're bringing people together that are now going to be investors. And you know, like, to me, I mean, people talk about it, 
Yeah. I know when I do one of your speeches and I yeah. give you all my, you know, my ideas. Yeah. And as somebody asked me one day, why would you be giving all your ideas out to me? Because now we're going to wipe you out because yeah. we're all going to do it. Yeah. I said to them, you know, 800 people in your room there, <laughs> if five people did what yeah. I do, True. I'd be very surprised. Yeah. Because with all these magic things, how to do this, how to do this, how to cruise yeah. timber and how to do all that and how to make an offer and all that. If you don't have the guts to do it in the first place yeah. and then you got to have the guts, you got to have a good spouse. There's a lot of sure. There's a lot of things yeah. you know that you gotta have. Now I was lucky. I, my, my spouse backs me all the time. You know. No question. She's a yeah. she's a jewel. Yeah. But it, it's true. You know, in these conferences, you know, I, I sometimes I challenge them and say, you know, do you like the speakers? Yeah. Did you like uh, Rudy? Did you like what? Did you get good value today? Everybody. Yeah. And I said, unfortunately, I have to tell you something. You all liked it. You all understood the material. There wasn't any person here that lacked the understanding because you got a step by step. A formula from Rudy yeah. about recreational property from uh, Todd about Arizona or whatever it is but only 5% of you will actually do something yeah. and it's funny every once in a while I do get a letter from somebody or a call you know yeah. I see you uh, I just yesterday got a call from somebody I attended Land Rush uh, every time and half uh, for the last uh, 22 years and now owns 70 doors and I don't know where he owns them or what he does but there's just a little note yeah. some people to take action that's why everything in life is action and yeah. you are an action-oriented person so how does an action-oriented person handle stress and well pace and everybody has stress you know and uh, you know everybody has stress it's, it's the degree of stress you can handle so I have a I have, you know first of all when I uh, you know I have stress I mean I'm not gonna say and, and, and say here I don't have stress of course everybody has stress even though I've got you know uh, uh, everything going really good I still get stressed but you know what I do is in the morning I get in the shower Mm -hmm. And I stay in that shower until I have a plan and I have to have a goal for yeah. that day I do a daily goal a weekly goal a monthly goal and an annual goal and if I reach my goal What I do is I buy myself a present <laughs> yeah. And a present might be uh, dim sum lunch. Yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite yeah. ones sure. It might be a new knife yeah. uh, Something like that something and then avoid yourself. Yeah, yeah. so pay just, yourself first. Yeah, I just did a big deal a couple of weeks ago We were talking about uh, you know, just before yeah. we started the interview yeah. here And so after this I'm going out to the, my friend uh, the uh, Ford dealership uh, Who's a good friend of mine yeah. and he's got a, a green car there Mustang which uh, is the replica of the bullet car <laughs> oh sorry of the bullet car uh that steve mcqueen drove oh neat. In, in bullet yeah <laughs> so he had, he's got one in they yeah. made uh, they made i forget how many but yeah. they're limited edition yeah that's and because of that deal i did i, yeah. I need a present yeah so i agree i'm going well, out there to have a look at it right we, after i leave here we sometimes you we know? don't reward ourselves no. enough you know but you're right you know stress it's not the stress itself the only people don't have stress they're lying in the cemetery exactly and little too yeah. little stress everybody has stress everybody has. you know so if i have extreme stress what i do is i wouldn't recommend this to anybody but because of my outdoor experience too extreme stress and my wife hates me for doing it i'll take my dog at midnight and go to the park a park that I've walked many, many times, and it's got gravel walkways, I take no flashlight. I just take my dog, it's pitch dark, you, you know? Because it's all trees, you don't even see a moon if there happens to be one. And I have to walk. Yeah. So where it takes me, you know, 20 minutes to walk through the park and yeah. the trail, yeah. it takes yeah. me an hour and something to go through. Yeah. So what so I do is how you I walk. Unstress. So all of a sudden, I'm going by the sound. Yeah. I can't go by eyes, my eyes are totally gone on this. So it's sound only. So I have to listen to my dog when he comes running through 
the bush and he hits the gravel you know on the path yeah. I have to remember where that is I have to use memory to see where yeah. I walked it there before because yeah. you get a stick in the eye or you fall over a log you're in trouble sure. and then I, my, my feet I have to tap this sometimes I'm off the, and I yeah. don't hear gravel then I yeah. have to tap it you tap it and I go back again and that to me is I have to concentrate so hard on making sure I don't get a stick in the eye or fall down that by the time I come out of there I've got no stress that's Everything, interesting. You know? I think, uh, you know, this is certainly unique to you, and I'm not recommending this to our listeners uh, no. to do, but I do recommend <laughs> find something that you relieves you of stress, yeah. because in this world, you know, my grandfather had to deal with maybe one major stress a year, and my father one a month, and I had to maybe listen to, got a major stress a week. The kids today get 10 a day, right, yeah. that they got to deal with. Yeah. And you, know, you have to somehow find an escape. We are, we are at our hips, we got the, the phone. My daughter tells me she works for Simon Fraser University, that soon we'll have all sorts of building gadgets into our into eyeballs, and, it, oh, yeah. and everything is going to even accelerate even yeah. more. So to unwind is very important. Stressful. And not only do you have the Niho company, not yeah. only do you invest, but you also have a company called LandQuest. Yes, no? yeah, I do. and. Uh, it's a great company. It's been going. So that's more like a real estate. It's a real estate. Real estate it's company. a real estate company that specializes only in recreational properties. So we don't sell houses. Right. We sell cabins on the lake. We sell ranches. We do. We probably do majority of the ranch sales in British Columbia, uh, and we do fishing resorts. We do uh, uh, skiing resorts. Uh, you know, unique property stuff like that. Yeah. So we have sixteen salesmen, highly trained, professional people. Uh, and and they, some of them have been around a long time, so some they know what they're doing. Yeah, and I get a lot of them out of the BCIT class from Bill Phillips, you know, and uh, so I, oh yeah. so you know, I, I get these guys and uh, girls, and they turn out to be really, really top notch, and we've had that company for 22 years, and uh, it's been a successful company, and I love the, I love the company. Yeah. Well, you have Niho, and you have uh, LandQuest, and yeah. you have LandCore, so what's next? I've got 15 companies all together, but there, you know, some of them are subdivisions, you know, I've heard my subdivisions sure. and things like that. What's next? I think that I just bought a motorhome and uh, I've got a motorhome, but I bought a bigger one. I think I'm going to spend, uh, my wife has been so good to me. She met me when I owed a million eight. And you know, when I met my wife, she had credit cards, she had a car and she had a $5,000 credit line. I had none of those. I thought I hit the big times and I said to her, you want to go have lunch, but you pay for lunch. So she's a wonderful lady. Yeah. Uh, now 34 years. And so now uh, you're going to spend some time together. I, she owes, I owe her, yeah. you know, what years I've got left. So I got to yeah. spend a little bit more time in my motorhome. Yeah. That makes sense, and yeah. you've, you've gone cruising and so on. It's not, uh, you know, you have you all have to smell those yeah. roses more. You know, yeah. that's before you know it, you look around and you yeah. you see the world is uh, galloping along. Well, look, really, it's been a, a real pleasure having you. Um, you have a, a unique following at our Landrush conference, and every time that you make it, you know, there's people out there, oh, I know that, <laughs> Woody, you know, there. Because you tell it like it is, yeah. you don't hide anything, what you see is what you get, and that's what I appreciate. Uh, about you so much and I really thank you for taking the time to do this podcast. Thanks Ozzy for inviting me down here and I hope to see you at Land Rush. I enjoy it. I think you do a great job at Land Rush and hope to see you there soon. And so do I. I hope to have you as our next uh, featured speaker. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.